Well, listen, I want to encourage you. That uh, marriage seminar, I bet we've been doing it 10 years. Um, it is exceptional. And I can't think of a better way to, uh, to just decide to go right now is uh, if you're with your spouse, just put your arm around them and look at them and look at that little twinkle in their eye and say, honey, I think we should go. What do you think? No pressure. Uh, but if you're single... Listen, if you want to get married one day, if you're divorced, if you've thought about it, I can't think of anything better either, rather than just trying to pick someone because they have a nice truck or nice shoes. Come on now. It needs to be something a little bit deeper than that. And uh, this is uh, one of the biggest events of its kind in America, and I think it will bless you. I want to say welcome to the people that are watching online today. We are finishing today our series called Reset. It has been a series we've been beginning the new year with, kind of a refocus on spiritual priorities and one of the key themes in the series has been on our life's mission. I don't know if you've thought much about this, but how many know God has given all of us a mission in life? I don't want to stand before Jesus on Judgment Day and Him ask me, what did you do with what I gave you, and me say, not much. So in a nutshell, our life's mission is following Jesus. It is reaching people for Him. But Jesus told us something quite profound in Acts. He said, you need the power of the Holy Spirit to do this. And last week, that's what we talked about. The book of Acts is a model or a paradigm for church life today. I tried to teach you about how the Holy Spirit worked through people in the early church. Well, today we're going to continue talking about the Holy Spirit, but we're going to talk about what He wants to do in us. Last week was what God the Spirit would do through us for others. Today, it's what the Holy Spirit wants to do in us in helping us become the person God created us to be. John 16, 7 is our text. It's the words of Jesus. Jesus said, I tell you the truth, it is to your advantage that I go away. Why don't you think about that just a moment? When Jesus walked the earth, crowds would, 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 would gather to him. If Jesus were on the earth today, uh, how many know he'd have the, uh, the, the biggest Twitter following in the world? If Jesus was on the earth today, he would, he would have more Facebook friends and more likes than anyone in the history of Facebook. But Jesus made this interesting statement. It's better for you if I'm not here, but if I go away and send the Holy Spirit. Uh, he went on to say this, the Holy Spirit called the helper. Now, other translations describe him as an advocate, a counselor, a comforter, an intercessor, a strengthener. All words driven to the inside, what God wants to do in my life. And Jesus, of course, said, I'm going to send him to you. Here's my question, why? Why did Jesus say it's better that I go away? And the answer is a very simple one. Is somehow, in some supernatural way, the Holy Spirit can live inside each Christian. That's a concept I want to try to develop today. Uh, he, he's called the indwelling Holy Spirit. But there's a question I want to ask you. What does he want to do if he's in me? In other words, if somehow God lives in me, what does he want to do? What does he want to do in my life? And that's what we'll talk about today, the inner work of the Holy Spirit. I'm going to talk to you today about five things God the Spirit wants to do in our lives to make us the person he wants us to be. But first, I want to try to develop a concept that, I, that I'm just going to tell you up front. I'm going to fall short in. I'm going to try to help you understand a little bit more about what it means that God the Holy Spirit dwells inside the Christian. 
And don't believe it because I said it, but if it's in the Bible, it, you, we need to ponder. Romans 8 verse 11, Paul said, If the Spirit, God's Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead, what's it say? Dwells in you. He who raised Christ Jesus from the dead will give life to your mortal bodies through the Spirit who dwells in you. Jesus said this in John 14. I'm going to ask the Father. He'll give you another helper to be with you forever. You know Him. Notice this. He dwells with you and He shall be in you. Now, Maybe we can understand this by looking at these prepositions. I want you to look at the prepositions with, in, and upon. There are three relationships with the Holy Spirit that the Bible teaches. As the uh, Greek was translated into English, the Holy Spirit is, is with us, like Jesus said before conversion. Uh, he's convicting us. When I was 19 years old, uh, I was in an interesting spot in my life. It was the summer of my 19th year, uh, and I began to be faced with an, a growing uneasiness in my life. Outside everything was great, but inside something was missing. And I decided I would, I would find myself uh, by joining the Navy. And somebody asked me this question, uh, what do you want to do in the Navy? And I said, the strangest thing for a guy with a big afro who was drinking beer and smoking and just living a party in life, I said, I think I want to read the Bible. Where did that come from? The Holy Spirit was with me drawing me to Christ. Now the Spirit is in us. We're going to develop at conversion. So literally, when you are born again, Jesus called it a spiritual rebirth. And what makes it spiritual is God the Spirit somehow comes to live inside us. Um, and then lastly, it's the word upon. With, in, and upon. Uh, Acts 1.8, Jesus said, you'll receive power when the Spirit has come upon you. This was the baptism of the Holy Spirit we talked about last week. Now, how many, here's my question, where is he? If the Holy Spirit's in you, where is he? Do you have to go to, the, uh, to, to, to a, a heart surgeon and he cuts you open? Does he find the Holy Spirit? Can you go uh, to the doctor and say, I'd, I'd like to have a spiritectomy? I, I, don't, I don't think so. Uh, the Bible says that we're a spirit being. Actually, we are a spirit. And we have no concept what that is. We live, in a, we, have a, we live in a body. We fully understand that. We have a mind. Psychologists help us understand our mind, our will, our emotions. That's our soul. So we're acquainted with the body and the soul, but not the spirit. How many know when somebody dies, somebody might say something like, Well, honey, daddy's gone. Daddy's gone. His body's in there in his bed. He just died. What does that mean that daddy's gone? Daddy is a spirit. He has a soul in his body because of sin decayed. Um, somehow the Holy Spirit comes to dwell alongside our spirit. And maybe the best way I can liken it is when the Bible speaks of marriage, it speaks of two becoming what? One. Somehow, Linnell and I, we come alongside each other, each maintaining our own separate, unique identity of who we are, but yet we complete one another. Um, the Holy Spirit influences our soul. For example, let's say when you were uh, wilder and crazier, you used to go in the Easy Mart and steal, steal uh, candy bars. 
And uh, your buddy would go and distract the person behind the counter, and you'd go put it in your pocket. And when you really got saved and became a Christian, uh, you realized that was wrong, and you quit stealing cig- uh, cigarettes. We quit stealing candy bars from the Easy Mart. Well, how many know you first had an attitude change? The Holy Spirit did that, and it kind of manifested itself by your body not, not acting as a thief. The Holy Spirit is God's presence in our life. The desires you have to follow God, uh, the desires you have to understand God, these all come from the Holy Spirit. And I realize that's a bit inadequate about the Spirit inside or indwelling the Christian, but I'm, that's the best I can do. Uh, it made me feel better if you just said it was a pretty good job, but that's okay. You're too late now. <laughs> Let me give you five things that the indwelling Spirit wants to do in your life. The first one is the Holy Spirit wants to produce godly character in our life. I want you to think about character. I want you to think about attitude. I want you to think about values. And I want to read a scripture in Galatians that goes from one extreme to the other. It goes from what we do when we're in the flesh. I mean, this is, this is the contrast. You're in the flesh or you're in the spirit. You're walking close to God or you're ignoring God. Here's what he says first. He says, when you follow the desires of your sinful nature, and let me know, everybody's got one. <laughs> I'll ask that. Everybody's got one. My wife has one. Let me tell you, if I could tell you some things. No, I'm just kidding. Linnell is the closest thing to a saint I've ever met. She is the same on the, on the, at home as she is at church on Sunday. Me, on the other hand, uh, you need to pray for me. When you follow the desires of your sinful nature, these results are very clear. Sexual immorality. Now, if you happen to be hooked on pornography, you want two things. You like it, but you can't help yourself because you don't want it because it's destroying your life. It'll destroy your marriage. It'll make you lust after little children, and you'll be in jail. I mean, how many know it's destructive? It's a work of the flesh. Uh, Impurity, lustful pleasures, idolatry, sorcery. Hostility, quarreling, jealousy. Uh, maybe, maybe you just have this temper that just flies off. <laughs> I mean, everybody's scared of you. You raise your hand at your dog, and your dog does like that. You raise your hand towards your child, and your child does like that. Can I tell you? That's a problem. But that comes from our flesh. Our, our daddy could have done it to us and could have done it, and we learn it. But this, these are things that come from the flesh. Outbursts of anger. Selfish ambition, division, long list here. Drunkenness, wild parties. But here's the dangerous thing about this, because most of us, I can certainly say, a lot of that characterized my life at one time. But it says anyone living that sort of life will not inherit the kingdom of God. So you have to decide, do you want God, do you want eternity, or do you want something less? Now, look at the flip side. But the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Now, when you think about an apple tree with apples, uh, it starts as a, as a bloom. It becomes a, a small little piece of fruit, and it grows into this big peach that, uh, that you love to eat. Now, I want you to say these words with me. These, this character, values, uh, these descriptive terms of the kind of person that we can become. Say this with me. The Holy Spirit produces love, joy, peace, Patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. How many can say, that's the way I'd like to be? 
I may not be in all these areas, but that's the way I want to be, and that's what the Holy Spirit wants to do. You know what? And let me just expound on that list a little bit. The Holy Spirit can make us love someone we hate. Have you ever found that there was a person in your life at one time that you just would just assume they would go ahead and either spend life in jail or die? And when they're in jail, that they'd be in solitary confinement eating, you know, stale bread? I mean, anytime you thought of them, your teeth, you started gritting your teeth, and, you know, you might even cuss a little bit. But one day you happened to be reading the Bible. That'll get you in trouble. If you want to keep those fleshly things, don't read the Bible. But you're reading the Bible, and it says, love your enemies. Or maybe you said, it, it's in Romans, do good to those who treat you bad. And the Holy Spirit, this is how he does it, he just kind of brings a thought to your mind. You have a feeling, I'm going to start praying for that person. And an amazing thing happens when you start praying for them in Jesus' name that God would bless them. Okay, that's the first prayer. But after a while, you get the compassion of God for them. This is inner transformation. God can do this. He can make us joyful in a world filled with trouble. Give us peace instead of fear about the future. I don't know about you, but it's been hard not to be afraid of the future. But when I get close to God, I, I, I just feel a, a greater sense of it's okay. Somebody told me before Trump's inauguration, uh, they, they, they said, uh, actually it was a family member, they said, you better get some more toilet paper. There's troops are amassed on the Canadian border, and you can't go to the Capitol buildings. Because America's going to be under siege tomorrow. I, I read it. I rolled over and went back to sleep. Not because intellectually I was, you know, whether I agreed or disagreed with what they I just had God's peace in my heart. Uh, this is from the Holy Spirit. He'll make us treat people with kindness instead of hostility or ignoring them. Hey, anyone in here honest enough to say I used to be mean as the devil, but now I'm sweet as molasses, sweet as honey? It's okay to be honest. I mean, if you're, if you're telling the truth, you're not bragging. I mean, it's just, just being truthful. You know, God can do that. God can make you be faithful to your spouse instead of fooling around. All, all these things. And how I many know this is what everybody wants? Everybody wants to be this kind of person. How I many know this is what America needs? Right now, as America has dramatically shifted politically, they're, told us, they're telling us we need more money for programs, more social workers, more re-education, more government uh, regulation. They're not going to fix what's broken. None of, that, none of the approaches you hear about racism will fix what's broken in America. But I'm telling you, friends, the Bible has answers if we'll embrace them. But let me tell you this. This kind of change is not automatic. It comes when we submit ourselves and yield to the Holy Spirit and invite Him to help us. I'm going to stay one angry dude until I go to God and say, God, would you help me? My anger is sinful. My anger is fleshly. Would you please come and help me because I can't help myself? Could, could we just pray this right now on this point? Just say, Lord, would you change me? Why don't you just bow your head and, and, and you pray. Say, Lord, would you just change me on the inside? Would you just work with me and turn me, Lord, from that fleshly side into a spiritual side? Would you remake me? Would you help me, Holy Spirit? I just affirm today that I'm yielding to you. And ask you to make me into the person you want me to be. Come on, give the Lord a big hand today. Now, this next one, an exciting possibility. 
The Holy Spirit wants to guide us supernaturally. I'm not talking about GPS on your phone. And you, and you, I'm talking about God's Holy Spirit leading us. Look at Acts 16, verse 6. Uh, Paul now is on a missionary journey. He, he's going through Asia, spreading the gospel. They went through a region of Phrygia and Galatia. And notice this strange phrase. They were forbidden by the Holy Spirit to speak the word in Asia. So somehow, God the Holy Spirit communicated them to direct. Do you think the Holy Spirit rented an airplane and wrote in the sky, don't go to Asia in big 50-foot letters? No, probably not. Uh, verse 7, they attempted to go to Bithynia, but the Spirit of Jesus, another word of, to say the Holy Spirit, their, their connectedness, did not allow us to go to Bithynia. So do you think there was this, when they're getting ready to turn on the highway to Bithynia, this voice that said, hey, down there, this is God, God. Don't go to Bithynia. Okay, I won't. You think that's how it happened? No. Now, a vision, verse 9, appeared to Paul. That's pretty cool. He said, come over to Macedonia and help us. We saw the vision. We sought to go to Macedonia concluding that God had called us to preach the gospel to them. So I want you to pause just a second. How did the Holy Spirit forbid them? And how might the Holy Spirit forbid me from making a wrong decision? Well, now, it's possible it was a prophecy. Now, we've, heard, we've seen that in other places in the New Testament, how God led and guided people through prophecy. Uh, but I want to suggest something different. I want to suggest most likely it was what I'm going to call a deep inner witness a deep knowing inside, a recognition of God's voice, a deep settled peace. Somehow where the Spirit is inside me, it, 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 it's, a, it's, a, it's a communication. Let me give you an example. 2 Corinthians chapter 2, Paul said, When I came to Troas to preach the gospel, a door was open for me. In other words, it was great opportunity. But read verse 13 with me. It said, My spirit was not at rest. Now, what does that mean? Sounds a bit abstract, uh, but what it is, it's not mystical, spooky, or weird. It's normal. Somehow, he was able to be in touch with his spiritual side of life. Uh, I experience this quite often in what I do as a pastor, particularly uh, if, if you feel that you get something out of uh, the sermons or the messages. Uh, it's not just because I study a lot, though I do prepare I believe it's because the Holy Spirit is directing me. Uh, last week, I, I, it, I was uh, kind of behind the, the eight ball, and uh, I was running out of time, and I was busy, and a lot of things to do. And I, I know I was supposed to speak about the Holy Spirit in the book of Acts, but I didn't know what to say. Now, I've been doing this 40 years, and it's been easy for me to put some thoughts down. I could have just gone and got an old sermon, but I just, I, 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 I just went outside and I took a few minutes, and I just said, Holy Spirit, would you show me what you want to tell your people next week? And then I just was walking around praying in the Spirit, and all of a sudden, these ideas just came to me. You might say, well, that's just the creative thought process. Uh, maybe, or it may be the Holy Spirit. Come on now. It may be the Holy Spirit. Thing. And I just wrote them down in my phone, emailed it to myself, and, 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 and off we went. Yeah, yesterday, Friday morning, uh, rather, we have early morning prayer. Uh, and, and I was just down here, wasn't even thinking about it, but I just had this thought, this impression about the new series that I was supposed to be starting when we get to, uh, to our new location. And just sitting there, I just felt like the Holy Spirit was downloading to me.
So when I say God wants to guide us, uh, it's real. Uh, it's not automatic. We've got to learn how to hear his voice and distinguish his voice from our own inner emotions. But could we, how many will say, I'd like to hear the Lord. Now, I don't mean the weird stuff. I don't mean like, you know, you're in the grocery store and you say, you stop at the front door with your cart and you say, okay, Lord, would you show me which aisle to go down first? And you gradually make your way down the cookie aisle. And then you say, Lord, which aisle next? Okay, bread. Now look, come on. Sometimes this can get weird. Sometimes it can get in extreme. But just because it can get in an extreme sometimes, listen, all the extreme people I know were really genuine in trying to have something good happen in their life. They just got off, off track a little bit. Can I tell you, friends, there's a possibility that the same Holy Spirit that spoke to them can speak to us and guide us today. And I don't know about you, but I want it in my life. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. Let's just pray right now. Let's just pray. And I want you to pray. I'll say some words, but you pray. And just say, the Holy Spirit, I want you to guide me just like you guided Paul. I want to be able to hear your voice. I want to avoid deception, but I want to hear your voice, and I want some big things to happen in the kingdom because I'm walking alongside you in Jesus' name. Give the Lord a good hand this morning. Now, this next one is one we can all relate to, John 16. The Holy Spirit wants to bring conviction and show us the path to righteousness. Uh, John 16, 7, Jesus said, It's to your advantage I go away, for if I don't go away, the Helper, or the Holy Spirit, won't come. Now listen to this. If I go, I'm going to send Him to you, and when He comes, He will... What's the word? He will convict the world concerning sin. Now that's not the earth. That's the Greek word cosmos. It refers to people. He'll convict people concerning sin, righteousness, and judgment. Now if you read further, you'd see the context is for the unbeliever, but I've found in my life as a Christian today, I still experience conviction. I still experience a push towards righteousness, and I have a greater fear of judgment today than I had in the past. So let's talk about this. How many know conviction of sin and revealing the difference between right and wrong is a gift from God. How many, how many can say this too? I don't like to be convicted. Two honest, three honest people. I don't because the only time I get convicted is when I'm doing wrong. How many can say there's a part of me that likes to do wrong? How many wouldn't raise your hand if I offered to buy you lunch? We've all got it in us. I mean, you're sitting in the duck blind, and you know the limit is six, but you've only hunted once this year, and you might as well get your, you know, get your money out of the thing, and the mallards are dropping in like crazy, so the limit is six, so what's wrong with 12 or 15? I mean, come on now. The game warden has never come by. You've hunted there all your life. All you righteous people. Some of these people watching on the Internet, now they just got up to go get another donut. I mean, that's the difference that you can do at home. Here, if people look at you when you walk away, but when you get conviction on the Internet, you just, you just kind of walk away. We've all got this. Uh, but how many know if we respond to conviction, we'll avoid discipline and judgment? You know, Hebrews says God disciplines those he loves. Any mamas remember when your kids were three or four and it was pretty hard to discipline them? 
and you told them that it was dangerous in the street, but they had no idea what it meant to get run over by a car. And one day you're in the kitchen, whatever, preparing dinner, and it's quiet. I mean, no, that's dangerous when it's quiet and you've got little kids. And uh, you, you go out to the front door, it's open because, you know, little Susie's gotten pretty smart. She can open the door, and, and uh, Grandma just gave her a new little, uh, you know, little tyke's tricycle, and she's just riding in the street. What do you do? Do you get your iPhone and take a picture of her? Come on now. No. You go up and you grab that child and you say, I'm going to take this bicycle away from you until you learn to obey mommy because this street is dangerous. You see, when God disciplines, it's not because he hates us. He just wants to keep us on the right path so blessings will follow and we'll miss judgment. Come on, somebody say praise the Lord. That's a good thing. A tender conscience is a gift from God. If your heart becomes hard, it'll become hard when we continually ignore the Holy Spirit. How many know when you sin one time, it's like sirens are going off? And if you do the same sin again, your flesh is going, whoa, keep it up, baby. And the sirens are at a little bit of a distance. But once you've done it four or five times, you may hear the siren in a distance. What's happening? You're hardening your heart. Romans 2.5 says, because of your stubbornness and unrepentant heart, you're storing up wrath against yourself. So again, when God convicts us of the right way and the wrong way, it's not because he's mean. It's because he wants to see us blessed and happy. Come on now. And not get killed on a tricycle at three, but live to a full life. Yeah. But how many know saying yes isn't easy? Our flesh wants to say no. Maybe when we were talking about the marriage uh, seminar, uh, maybe you had this little thought, I ain't going to that seminar. Matter of fact, I'm thinking about getting another husband. <laughs> if you didn't have any sirens going off then, you're in trouble, sister. Can we just pray that God would give us a soft heart, a tender heart, you just bow your head and I want you to pray and just say Holy Spirit would you help me have a tender heart a tender conscience just tell the Lord now say Lord I'm grateful when you discipline me I don't like it but I know it's good for me and I want you to ask your Holy Spirit help me say yes to conviction and stay on the path that leads to life in Jesus name come on give the Lord a good hand today Let me give you another one. This is a really cool one. Uh, the Holy Spirit wants to communicate with us. In other words, God wants to speak to you. Now, whenever you see that caricature on TV, how many know the mental health professionals are coming out? Because the secular world believes there's nothing outside of what can be seen, felt, quantified, or you know, seen with the Hubble telescope and all that. There's nothing outside of that. But the Bible teaches that there is, that God is real, Satan is real, angels and demons are real. The Holy Spirit wants to speak to us. And again, not spooky, weird, you know, go down, go down. Now, it's possible the Holy Spirit can direct you down the grocery aisle. Are you with me today? I mean, wouldn't it be cool if there's somebody that's in trouble down aisle three and you show up as God's answer? Now, come on. Now, that's, <laughs> that's a big praise the Lord. But, but it's possible God can communicate. Let me, let me read a scripture to you that I think is the coolest scripture of the whole day. Uh, Jesus said to the disciples, when you're brought to trial, 
before rulers and authorities. In other words, the same guys that killed Jesus want to kill the disciples. When they, you go before them, don't worry how you're going to defend yourself or what you're going to say. Now imagine if you're in a jail cell the night before you're going to appear before the Jewish Sanhedrin. I don't know about you, but I would be thinking about everything I learned in Toastmasters. I'd be thinking about everything I learned in my speech class, and I would be writing an outline in my head to make the strongest, most persuasive argument that they should let me go and live and not die. How many can say I'm with you, preacher? Well, that's not what happened here. Jesus said the Holy Spirit will teach you at that time what needs to be said. I have found in my life sometimes the most um, helpful remarks that comes from something I say in a counseling session or in a sermon or anything else is not something that I prepared to say and planned to say, but it was something the Holy Spirit brought to my remembrance to say. How many can say I've been there with you? See this, and it's not isolated. Acts eight twenty nine. The Spirit said to Philip, "Go over and join the chariot." Now, if you know the story, he speaks to a, a, an Ethiopian man. He was a leader. He goes to North Africa, and that's how the gospel goes to North Africa because the Holy Spirit spoke, and Philip knew it was God, and he acted. Here's another one. Um, Acts ten nineteen. Peter is pondering the vision. The Spirit said to him, three men are looking for you. And you know the story, he goes to Cornelius' house, and it's the Pentecost for the Gentile people. I mean, it's, it's incredible. Hearing the Holy Spirit was normal in the New Testament church. And let me tell you, if you don't hear anything else today, hear this. Hearing the Holy Spirit should be normal in your life and my life today. We are his children. He lives in us. He wants to speak. Same Holy Spirit. But it's a learning process. How many can say, I've tried to hear the Lord and messed up? Come on, both hands and both feet. I have genuinely tried. But listen, just because you made a mistake, don't quit trying. Um, I'll tell you something, that if you're going to try to hear the Lord, uh, one of the most valuable things you can do is to be submitted and accountable to other people. Don't just go off on your own as Mr. or Miss Wonderful in God. Tell people that are mature believers that are in your life. You know, pastors, elders, small group leaders, somebody that you trust has been in the Lord. Say this, I think the Lord's telling me this. What do you think? That humbles you. It's submission. It's powerful. But let's talk about this learning process. A great scripture, 1 Samuel chapter 3. Remember Samuel and Eli in the Old Testament? Samuel's going to be this prophet that's raised up, going to turn the nation back to God. Eli had gone like this, but yet he's still, he's still the, you know, the prophetic voice there for the people. And Samuel is asleep in the temple. Uh, that's where he lives. Uh, and notice now, for the second time, the Lord called and said, Samuel. And Samuel went to Eli and said, here I am, you call me. Eli said, I didn't call you. So here this boy, Samuel hears something, and not with these ears, but he hears something, and he thinks from his experience and his rational, rational, rationalizations, he thinks it's Eli, but it's not, it's God. Verse 8, uh, verse 7, Samuel didn't know, yet know the Lord. The Lord had not spoken directly to him. Would it be fair to say that the scriptures we just read from Acts, the Lord was speaking directly to people? Yeah. Well, the Lord called Samuel the third time. Samuel gets up and said to Eli, here I am. Eli realized the Lord was calling the boy, and he told Samuel. Now, listen, this is powerful. If he calls you again, say, speak, Lord, I'm your servant. 
and I'm listening. If there's a takeaway from this, it's this very thing. Ask the Holy Spirit to speak. But ask Him as His servant. Don't just say, Lord, should I buy the F-150 or the Silverado? You know He's going to say the F-150. Why, why, why pray over something like that? No, really, you know, you probably ought to ask Him. Uh, but it's, I'm your servant. See, all this is not just about better lives, bigger houses, and more turkeys. It's about your mission. It's about the Spirit of God helping us do what God's called us to do. Uh, speak, your servant is listening. Uh, it's not always easy. I'll tell you this. It's, it's harder for me to hear God when I, when I have something personal and emotion in it than, than it is when it's out there and objective. For example, uh, I don't know. Um, there's opportunities for us to sell our church right now. Well, I, I, I want you to pray with me that God would get this one sold, you know, so we, don't, we, we have less debt when we go over there. But I've been doing this thing for five years, and it's not always easy to hear the Lord. Are you with me today? Yeah. And it gets especially complicated, you know, when you're, when you're saying, Lord, I just got this new Max catalog, and they have this Avian X turkey decoy, and it's supposed to be the most realistic decoy. Are you with me? Lord, we want to ask you to help us hear clearly. I'm going to get out of this with prayer. <laughs> help us hear your voice. Come on, say that with me. Help me, Lord. Help me hear your voice and not be deceived. In Jesus' name. All right, let's wrap it up here. Uh, John 16, the Holy Spirit wants to guide us into truth and declare things to come. John 16 says, when the spirit of truth comes, this is Jesus talking, he will do what? Guide you into all truth, and he'll declare to you things that are to come. So here's my question. How does the Holy Spirit teach us truth? Well, I'm going to give you a couple things, but I want to suggest the most important way is through the inspired Holy Bible. Uh, he can certainly teach you truth when you're with a group of people. It can be a personal experience, but through the inspired Word of God. Uh, Jesus said in John 17, He said, Your Word is truth. The Bible is truth. The Holy Spirit inspired people to write the Bible. It's the number one teaching tool. But let me give you another way God teaches you us. It's through personal example. And let me show you a little picture here my, my yard. Um, Kind of hard to see. Let me look at this one right here. But this is a great big old oak tree. And I've got my property kind of goes at a little slope. So I've got some, made some waterways. I planted a cypress tree right here. And if you can see this, the cypress tree does not go straight up. It, it, it goes out this way kind of. And there's no limbs on this side. All the limbs are over here. But now up at the top, now it's growing straight again. I have a little OCD in my life, I'll admit it. My wife says I have more than a little bit. I don't want a crooked cypress tree in my yard. And I got one of these, like a little come along, you know, where you, you put it and you ratchet it up. I had that tree begging me. I swear, I would swear that I heard that tree say, stop, you're hurting me. I mean, I was straight, I was straightening it out. I had it hooked to that oak tree that was there. And, uh, and as soon as I let it go, it went right back to the place it was. So I'm walking around my yard one day, and 
I'll just say it this way. I had this impression. Don't you see how the tree is going towards the light? Don't you see how the tree avoids the darkness and it goes to the light? And once it gets light, it keeps growing and going. Well, now, do you think that was the devil? Do you think that was, you know, the scientific part of I think that was the Holy Spirit instructing me. Let me give you one more. How does the Holy Spirit declare things that are to come? He's talking about the future. Well, obviously, first and foundational, it's the Bible's predictions. And I'm out of time, but we could read lots of things that Jesus said about the last days, the end of the world, the book of Revelation. Uh, that's certainly the, the most important way. But how many know there's also revelation gifts? Gifts like the word of knowledge, the word of wisdom, the gift of prophecy. One ex for example, Acts chapter 11, some prophets traveled to Antioch and Agabus, a prophet, predicted by the Holy Spirit, predicted by the Holy Spirit that a great famine would come on the entire Roman world and history records that it happened during the reign of Claudius. Now, I mean, that's a big deal. God can prophetically show us the future. You could have a vision or a dream. It might be to warn you about something. Uh, my, my wife's mom was particularly adept at interpreting dreams, and oftentimes if it would be a bad dream, she would say, the Lord's not predicting that that's going to happen. He's calling you to pray right now so it doesn't happen. Well, these are ways that the Lord does this to us. But the last one is very personal. As a matter of fact, I'm here today because of this last one. And it's what I'm going to call that inner witness, that deep inner sense of knowing what to do. My grandparents, uh, during World War II, uh, migrated from uh, the, their home state of Latvia across Europe and ended up in America. And uh, the Russians had driven them from their home. They loaded up in one day all they owned uh, with a horse and a wagon. And uh, uh, what they would do is they, were, they really didn't know where they were going. They would go and when it would get nighttime, they would typically go in town or they would try to find somebody that would let them sleep in the barn or whatever. But they would go in town, try to find some food, someone to help the refugees, you know, of course, as they were wandering. And my grandma said one night they got to the edge of a town and, and she said, something just told me not to go in the town that night. So we just slept under the wagon outside of town. And she said that night the town was bombed and destroyed. So I wouldn't have even been here today had she just gone to the logical, you know, frequented place. But the Holy Spirit deep down warned her, and she said yes. How many are glad God speaks today? Come on, give him a big hand today. He's worthy of our praise. Why don't you stand to your feet, and I want to I I close. I want to read you a little scripture, or, or maybe we can kind of have this as our last prayer. And stay tuned in me now. Don't forget about Taco Bueno just a second. Forget about Cracker Barrel just a second. But do you want to make the Holy Spirit happy or do you want to grieve Him? I want to encourage you to, to have a resolve in your heart right now that we're going to live the kind of life that make God, makes God happy. I'll read this verse and it's going to show you two contrasts and how the Holy Spirit responds Ephesians 4.28 says, if you're a thief, quit stealing. In other words, the flip side, don't use foul or abusive language, but let everything you say be what? Good and helpful. You see the difference there? Stealing, don't steal. 
speaking harmful words, speaking good words. He says this, don't bring sorrow or don't grieve God's Holy Spirit by the way you live. So if I'm stealing, I'm grieving God's Holy Spirit. If I'm on an adulterous path, I'm grieving God's Holy Spirit. If I'm allowing these works in the flesh to just continue and not responding to conviction, I grieve the Holy Spirit. I guarantee if you're here this morning, nobody wants to do that. We all fight with our flesh, but every one of us wants to be someone that pleases God. And it is not easy because my will and God's oftentimes battle. But I just want to humble myself right now and just say, Lord, come on, just pray with me now. Bow your head and just say, Lord, I want to give up the fight today. I, I, I don't want to grieve the Holy Spirit. I don't want to do wrong. I want to do right. But Lord, I need to tell you today that it's sure hard and I want you to help me. But I give you that right today to make me into the person you want me to be. Welcome, Holy Spirit, today. Come on, slip your hands to heaven and say, Lord, please help me. Those things that I've been thinking about in the service today, those things that you spoke to me about, help me change them. I have failed miserably. I need your help. In Jesus' name. Pastor Mike's going to close the service. Listen, I love you. Thanks so much for coming. We have a great Wednesday night here. Prayers at 6.30, worships at 7, and then we're doing a series on sharing your faith. I love you. Thanks for coming. Amen, amen. Great word today. You know, our prayer team's going to be up here. And as you leave, you can leave at any of the four exits and drop your offering on the way out. But if you fill out one of those cards as a guest, if you'd stop by the foyer, they got a free gift for you. Or if you want to volunteer. Uh, when we move into our new place, you can sign up out there. But altar team's coming up. Before you leave, just one question before you go. Are you 100% sure if you died, you'd go to heaven? You know, you can make sure before you leave. Somebody asked me that question April 14, 1984. And I thought, man, maybe I do more good than bad. Maybe I can talk my way in. I wasn't sure how to get to heaven. I had, I had some knowledge in my head. But I realized that day, just as he reminded me, we all sin and fall short of the glory of God. There's a payment for our sin. But we have to individually ask Christ into our life. That's the part I've never done. I've been in church and doing all that. But today, if you're not sure, if you need to get right with God, if you need to ask Christ to come into your life, then stop over there at that cross before you leave. I'll be over there. We'll pray with you. What you'll do is just say, Jesus, come into my life. I give you permission to come and take over my life and help me to follow you. And I'm telling you, your life will change because God loves you and has a plan for your life. So don't leave here being unsure in any way. Amen. Altar team's open. Go ahead and let's just sing through one more verse. And otherwise, hopefully see you Wednesday night or definitely Friday for the marriage conference. God bless you.
continue to worship. Feel free to hang out with us as long as you'd like. Uh, the prayer team's still down front. If you need prayer for anything at all, we'd love to pray for you. I think all the exits are open. Feel free to be dismissed at any time. And we just pray that you have a blessed day today. Yes.